Welcome to Mistropolis where we gather, talk about crimes, conspiracies, mysteries and all that jazz. I'm a true crime fan. If you're a fan girl or a fan boy obsessing over true crime, come on in. I was waiting for you. Today we're going to talk about doomsday couple but before that putting it straight I'm aware that everyone has their own set of beliefs and religious teachings that they follow in order to live a better life as good human beings. I totally respect that but to a level where my common sense doesn't get run down. This podcast is not intended to disparage or throw shade at any religious group or their teachings. However, an intentional slip of tongue may happen. Hmm, so Doomsday Couple own the title because, you know, media likes to fondly nickname criminals. They always have, they always will. And also because they professed, is that a word? I have very limited vocabulary. Okay, because of the prophecy of end of the world on 22nd July 2020. My cat Lolo is telling me that was a couple of weeks ago. So, marked safe. Just to lay the foundation, I'm going to look into the life of Laurie Vallow, a religious pious woman, also known as Cult Mom, media loves giving nickname, don't they? Earlier this year, on 20th February, 46-year-old fugitive mother was arrested on Idaho warrant in Hawaii by the local police of Hawaii. She was held on 5 million bond. And you might ask, was she heading some drug cartel or something, like 5 million dollars? That's a lot of money. Straight answer is no, but it's more sinister than selling stuff, and I don't endorse selling stuff. She was arrested weeks after she failed to physically produce her two children, Tylee Ryan, 17, and 7-year-old JJ Vallow, who at this point had been missing for over five months, and were last seen in her company in September 2019. Not suspicious at all. As I said, she was arrested in Hawaii and she was there on her honeymoon with her fifth husband, Chad Dumbles, sorry, Chad Daybell, who is another religious man with high morals, another leading character responsible for the mess. And we will cover him or we will talk about him in another episode dedicated especially to him. He is a character. This woman was on her honeymoon while everyone else were looking for her missing children for months. Nothing unsavory at all. Biological grandparents of her adopted son, JJ, tried to get in touch with her, but she never responded. They would call to speak to JJ and she would give excuses, oh, he's not here or he's playing out. They kept trying to reach her and they had their last conversation with JJ on FaceTime, which was only for 25 seconds, I heard. At one point, Laurie even stopped responding and just cut them off and disappeared. They also quickly realized that it was not just JJ, but Tylee was missing too. After months of trying to get hold of the kids, grandparent appealed on media for the missing children. A day or two before Thanksgiving 2019, police knocked at the door of her eldest son, Colby, from second marriage and asked about his younger siblings. He said he had not seen his siblings for months now. He called his mother, Laurie, who said, don't worry about it and kids are safe, and then cuts him off too. Colby then took to YouTube and posted a video asking his mother to produce his younger siblings to the authorities. He was unable to get in touch with his own mother and didn't even know about her new marriage. You have the power to end this. I really, really want to see Tylee and JJ. I really want this to be over. Even if you just show them on FaceTime. 
to show them on FaceTime to the police, that would be a lot better. Kids go missing, she gets married and absconds to Hawaii while authorities are looking for her kids. Her side of the family also took to media because everyone is and because it's the age of social media and we don't sit and talk to relatives directly anymore. Her mother and sister came on TV, showed their support to Laurie and said she is a good mother trying to protect her children from the people who are after her life and she hid her kids for their safety. Press resentment for her children. Never. No. No. I'm positive beyond any doubt that she hasn't harmed those kids. Now we know that JJ Vallow was last seen on night of September 22, 2019 by a close friend of Laurie Vallow, Melanie Gibbs, and her boyfriend, David Warwick, who was at the resident for the weekend. Janice Cox claimed that she called Laurie on October 1st, a full week later when last JJ was seen, and could hear JJ playing in the background. She also went ahead and gave 48 hours her phone records that showed a 97 minutes call. At one point, she even says that JJ actually got on the phone and said, Hi Mimi, which is her nickname, given by him, and now we know it's a lie. I'm waiting for her to testify same in the court. She should have bitten her tongue then. Don't speak when you don't know or you're going down along. According to the records, kids never went with Laurie or Chad to Hawaii and the lease agreement to the house in Hawaii never said anything about the kids. It was for newlywed couple with no children and husband who was a writer. Yeah, he writes book. One Foot in the Grave. That's the name of one of his book if you're interested. Laurie Vallow Daybell was born Laurie Noreen Cox on June 26, 1973 in California to Janice Lee Cox and Barry Lynn Cox. She was fourth born in the family of five siblings. Stacy Cox, her older sister who died in 1998, leaving behind her daughter Melanie Poloski, the niece very close to her aunt Laurie, who is also a key witness to the case. Remember the name, Melanie Poloski. Alex Cox, with whom she had a very close relationship and often called him her protector. Again, remember him, Alex Cox. Adam Cox and Summer Cox are her two other siblings. Bernadette Lopez, a high school friend, told Inside Edition that she met Laurie when they were 15 years old and were trying out for their school's cheerleading squad. They went to Eisenhower High School together in Rialto, California. Laurie attended religious classes before school every day. She was very religious and deep into LDS and Mormon teachings. At 19, she married her high school sweetheart Nelson Yen in 1992. The marriage with her first husband ended shortly and we don't really have much information about that marriage. In 1995, at the age of 22, she met and married 23-year-old William LeJoya in Travis County, Texas. Together they had a son. Colby in 1996. They had a troubled marriage right from the beginning. On July 16, 1995, Laurie filed a complaint against William LeJoya. An affidavit stated, Suspect assaulted her by striking her about the mouth with his hand and throwing her onto the bed, causing pain and injury. Laurie made her second complaint on February 21, 1996, the following year. William Jean LeJoya has made several threats against my life. William has been physically and mentally abusing me for three years. 
On February 12, 1996, William threatened that if I were to call the police again, since I have reported this before, then he would snap my neck. So all this drama was going on while she was pregnant with their son, Colby. They had an on and off relationship going on for the entire length of the marriage. On April 8, 1996, Colby was born. In month of July, same year, she moved with William and in November she left again because of the differences and domestic abuses. December 4, 1996, Laurie filed criminal complaint against William L. and his stepfather Vito L. for auto theft, concealment of stolen property and obstruction of justice. Basically what happened was William took spare keys and stole her car, car which were registered under her name and hid it somewhere or drove away. I don't know. Two years after that, in 1998, they split their ways and Laurie got the custody of their son. Same year, she loses her sister Stacy Cox to death, which had an impact on her as, as later on in life, she claims her sister was reincarnated and was born as her daughter, Tai Lee. This concludes the 90s and we have two more decades of her life to unfold. In 2001, Laurie married her third husband, Joseph Anthony Ryan Jr. Ryan adopted Colby, her son, now five, from her previous marriage. Colby took the name Ryan as his last name, but was not legally adopted. Following year on September 24, 2002, couple had their daughter, Tylee Ashlyn Ryan. Three years into the marriage, Ryan filed for divorce on August 13, 2004. The divorce was finalized on May 18, 2005. Nine months after her divorce was finalized, she married her fourth husband, Leland Charles Anthony Vallow, on February 24, 2006 in Las Vegas. And we will cross that bridge when we come to that. Same year on August 8, 2006, remember Ryan and Laurie have been divorced for more than a year now? Laurie contacted Detective Skrosky regarding the report that was filed with Deputy Gonzalez. She wanted to schedule an interview with her children, Colby and Tylee Ryan, regarding the sexual allegation against her former husband, Joseph Ryan. Same afternoon at 1.42 p.m., three-year-old Tylee Ryan was interviewed by Melissa Rodriguez. Ms. Rodriguez asked Tylee what she did when she visited her father, Joseph. Tylee advised that she sleeps with him and has snacks with him. Tylee identified female parts as booby spots and butts, which showed that she was aware of her body. Tylee denied anyone ever wanted her to look at their body parts. Tylee denied that she ever told anyone that something like that had happened to her. Ms. Rodriguez asked Tylee about sleeping with her father in his bed. Tylee did advise that sometimes Colby is there but he doesn't like it because dad presses him down. Colby was also interviewed on August 8, 2006 at 2.10 p.m. at Roxanne House by Melissa Rodriguez. So Roxanne House is like a place, you know, where kids are interviewed, especially when going through such situations and they are not accompanied by their parents or someone they know so that they can, you know, freely talk about things going on with them. Colby was 10 years old and a fifth grader at Cedar Creek Elementary. Colby was asked if he knew why he was at Roxanne's house. He stated that he was molested. Mr. Rodriguez asked Colby what molested meant and he stated that it was when older people were doing sexual things to little kids. 
Colby stated that his stepfather did it to him when he was 8 years old. I'm not questioning that, don't get me wrong, but those are big words for a 10-year-old to know. Again, I'm not questioning his experience. Also why I needed to point it out was because her fourth husband Charles and his ex-wife were into similar custody battle and court documents suggested that house environment where Charles and Laurie were living wasn't very suitable. Not saying any kind of abuse was going on, but kids were picking on words that kids shouldn't be knowing. On Dateline interview with Keith Morrison while discussing his stepfather Colby Ryan did made a shocking revelation about what's being raised by Joseph Ryan was like when asked about if Colby was sexually abused by his stepfather he confirmed that he was He went out of his way to make a point when he would like spank me and then he just did weird things like little hits in the head like thought it was funny so there's a lot of stuff with that okay and uh, you know he was uh, sexually abusive as well with you. In 2006, Detective Skrosky also spoke to Lori Vallow and her current husband Charles Vallow. Lori stated that she discovered hundreds of gay porn sites on Ryan's computer while they were married. She advised that it was men-on-men porn and did not contain any women or children. She confronted him about this habit of his and she left him shortly after. So I'll not touch on what happened between Colby and Ryan because that's his story to tell but findings in Tyler's interview suggested that they had a normal father-daughter relationship with no indication of anything that shouldn't be which would play a greater role in the bitter custody battle between Laurie and Ryan i think at this point Laurie was trying to get the entire custody of Tyler just a speculation Laurie moved with Tyler Colby and Charles from Texas to Arizona Ryan followed her to Arizona as the agreement demanded that Ryan must live 100 miles or less from Valo which forced him to move wherever or whenever his ex-wife skipped down he was adamant to get his daughter back Ryan filed a motion back in 2006 stating that he had been denied all visitation with his daughter Tylee for month of August According to Arizona family Joseph claimed that Lori would not let him see his daughter despite their custody agreement. The lawsuit against Lori led to a dispute between Ryan and Valo's brother Alex Cox. On one such visit when Tyler was supposed to stay with Ryan for the weekend Ryan said that he was being followed by two trucks. When he reached home those vehicles stayed right down the street. He called 911 to report. Those vehicles were gone when the police arrived. In 2007 in Travis County, Texas, Ryan was attacked by Alex after a custody exchange. Affidavit for the warrant of arrest and detention for Alex Cox stated that he committed aggravated assault. On August 5, 2007, victim Joseph Ryan was leaving the kids exchange at 8913 Collin Field Drive after a supervised visit with his daughter. He was approached in the parking lot by the accused. The accused had been sitting under a tree. The accused asked if Ryan remembered him. Shortly thereafter, the accused reached onto his clothing and pulled out an object. Ryan turned to run. He felt a shock on his shoulder. Second shock on his back. At one point, the accused made the threat to kill Ryan. He was chased around the corner of the building by the accused where they encountered a witness. The accused then stopped his pursuit of Ryan and began to walk away. 
So Uncle Alex was sitting under the tree waiting for Joran to come to the parking lot. When Joran was there, Alex came to him and asked, "Do you remember me?" and reached into his pocket. No second thoughts, Ryan just turned around and started running because he knew these people. He was like married into this family. There was no way he was standing there and answering the question. But sadly, Ryan couldn't run any faster and he was shot. Don't worry. No, he wasn't shot, sorry. He was tased twice on his shoulder and back by Alex. So I don't know how it feels like, but looking at the videos on YouTube of people being tased, it doesn't look like fun. Don't ask me why I watch such videos. Okay, back to the story. So Ryan somehow managed to get on his feet and run while Alex was chasing him, threatening to kill him. Fortunately for Ryan this time, they were encountered by a witness, and Alex stopped the chase and walks away. Cox pled guilty and was sentenced to 90-day jail, which he served in Austin, Texas. This made me think that Alex was protective of his nephew and nieces because of the previous alleged allegation against Ryan, but I didn't dwell much into it because it wasn't for kids, it was for Laurie, and we all know that. Okay, I'm using the word alleged here because on July 24, 2007, Joseph Ryan had an assessment with the sex offender assessment with the family and community risk. This assessment was done in regards to the issue of Mr. Ryan and his daughter Tylee Ryan, I believe because of the ongoing custody battle between the parties. MMPI2 test was done on Ryan. It's Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory in second revised version and it has been used being used since 1989. Test data by Mr. John states the MMPI2 failed to reveal any data supportive of the common results seen in pedos, stalkers, or violent towards kids and adults, which includes rapists, serial rapists, stalkers, or strangers. MMPI2 is used to measure adult psychopathology. The most commonly seen score on MMPI2 results for known sex offenders usually or most often produce spikes on certain scales so i believe according to the test trying didn't had any such spikes also i believe some other more tests were done on ryan and one such said mr ryan's lie scale showed no elevation overall he appears to be honest in attempting to be cooperating in these very intimate and sensitive testing materials again unusual and very seldom seen with sex offenders something i found interesting was lori valo at one point voiced to this examiner her great concern on number of occasions that her ex-husband would use charm and tricks to win the examiner's favor this examiner assured lori that he had been doing this for 32 years and charm doesn't seem to get very far with him Classic Lori telling people how to do their job when she herself failed miserably at the only job she had being a mother to her young children. The statement from Tali and Colby's interview Tali said that she was not inappropriately touched by her biological father and the assessment appears to state same for Colby's story that's her story again. But because we are taking a deeper look at the dynamics of relationship between Joe Ryan and Tylee, I thought it would be important to include this. Laurie and Tylee had a same interview on March 23, 2007 for sex offender assessment with family and community risk. 
I read the entire document line to line, word to word, and I found something interesting. This is the year 2007 we are talking about, long before Laurie and Chad met. So I'm going to read from, from the records. The mother, Miss Vallow, has explained to me on many occasions that she speaks with her deceased sister and believes that Tylee is reincarnation of her sister. Miss Vallow is deeply religious and seems genuinely so. However, she has also explained that her last attorney, Mr. Ted Ter Terry, has come to her instructing her to attend his funeral and explain to his ex-spouse that he loved her. She also mentions other ghost conversations and directives from her god. So these concepts were not alien to her. It was not entirely introduced by Chad Daybell. They both had their own train of thoughts and it merged in a train wreck after they met. Okay, also one of the recommendations given after the assessment was very interesting. That instructed that the biological mother, Laurie, to cease any and all communications and chats with this child, Tylee, about Daddy Joe being a molester. So, what do you think about that? It seems like Laurie maybe was trying to put words or thoughts into Tylee against her father. Kind of manipulation, maybe? And we all know she makes people do things, at least the family hitman, Alex Cox. So, I'll touch on the diagnostic formulation, which I believe is the observation or conclusion drawn by the examiner. And we are talking about Laurie and Tylee's assessment. Miss Vallow genuinely believes her child is in, is in danger. However, her belief system is riddled with ghost and seemingly fanatical religious dogma. Her belief that Mr. Ter Terry, may he rest in peace, visit her at night borders on visual and auditory hallucination. Based on the data of this case and the experience of this examiner, the child Tylee Ryan should be reunited by her biological father at the earliest possible. So indication of her being in fantasy world is very obvi obvious and second this assessment made it very clear that Ryan should be allowed to have visits with Tylee. Laurie didn't wanted her daughter to do anything to do with her, her father but she wanted the money coming in. Laurie tried to paint a picture of molestation for Tylee but Tylee's uh, answers were consistent in regards to it. I really think Tylee was not a person that could be easily swayed, manipulated or molded into anything that Laurie wanted. She was, what, five at the time and she had more brains on her shoulder than her mother and her uncle combined. I strongly believe Tylee's disappearance has a lot to do with the disagreements with her mother and not so much to do with the zombie BS or heroic mission that cult mom and gravedigger was in for. I call it BS. It was just all game of lust and money. Period. Laurie moved to Hawaii in end of 2014 with her family, which made it difficult for Joseph Ryan to meet his daughter. And Valo continued to fail to comply with the court orders. Not the first time. She is a big head and law is nothing to her. We saw that in January 2020 when entire law enforcement and family was looking for her kids. She was enjoying her honeymoon with her fifth husband. Can't emphasize on that anymore. Joseph asked that Valo be held for 18 months until she complied with the court's ruling in the case. He also asked that she be responsible for all the legal pieces. The custody battle dragged on for 12 years until his mysterious death in 2018 in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh wait, Laurie moved back to Arizona in mid-2017. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying there is a connection, but I'm also not saying there is no connection. 
In 2011, Texas, Travis County ordered Alex Cox to pay $5,000 in restitution to Joseph Ryan and placed Alex on probation. Also remember when Alex pled guilty and served 90 days in jail for assault charges in 2008? Yeah, when he tased him. So while in jail, Alex was not at all reflecting on things that he did. In fact, he was writing letters to his friend, nothing romantic. Well, these are not the romantic ones. So, well from the jail, he sent four letters to his friend Mary Tracy and almost always mentioned his ex-brother-in-law. Why so much interest in obsession? Hmm. One letter read, "Do me a favor, call Janice. Ask her to put Joe's address on the postcard and his license plate number. I think it will be popular here." So all he's thinking about is revenge. Okay. In another letter, Tracy said Cox wrote, "P.S. Can you get a picture from Laurie of her one of her ex-husbands and send it to me? Some of the guys would like to hang out with him." Janice is the mother. Entire family is weird. Alex was not forgetting this. Alex was not forgetting this. Joseph Ryan died on April 3, 2018 from myocardial attack in his apartment in Gilbert, Arizona and was not discovered for a week. His neighbor's dog detected a smell and police was called in. Lori was listed as his next of kin and was contacted by the police, but she didn't even bother to inform his family about about his death. Police had to track down Joseph Ryan's family after a couple of weeks to notify them when body was not claimed. Ah, oh, poor guy. What a sad way to die. I really kind of feel bad for Joseph Ryan because he is in Arizona for his daughter Tylee and he dies just like nobody. Joseph Ryan's sister Annie Cushing traveled to Arizona to support her niece Tylee after her father's death. Annie said Lori would say things like The world is a better place without Joe Ryan. Which some people might say is suspicious given the fact the dramas and deaths and disappearances followed after. His body was cremated, which eliminates any possibility of exhumation in future to tie her down. But FBI is looking into it because everything around Lori Vallow is shady business. Good news: portion of his thigh muscle and liver tissues were preserved for toxicology test. Also something that's worth noting comes from Annie Cushing's account of her interaction with Laurie in 2018. It uh you know kind of give a glimpse into the ideas and thought process Laurie was garnering in the time. Cushing's main concern was Laurie's mental well-being. She said Laurie, who was always religious, had become obsessed with end of times theories. Hint, she was reading Chad Tabel's books. I'll quote There was one time when she was talking about it and she says Sometimes I think it would be better just to put my kids in a car and go off side of a cliff. Like who the fuck says that? Cushing told her daughter during the visit that she believes Valo may be a sociopath, texting I think she's unhinged from the truth. To her this was all a game. She had no empathy for the suffering anyone else was experiencing including tidy end quote 
The biggest concerns was she had this fixation on the end times. She went so far as to say that it's going to be so scary, sometimes she thinks it'd be better to just put her kids in the car and go over the side of a cliff. After leaving, Annie vowed never to see her sister-in-law again. This happened around the month of June, July 2018. Ryan is out of her back. Let's talk money. I'll read from the documents of Joe Ryan and Laurie Vallow's divorce decree because it's important. It is ordered that Joseph Anthony Ryan Jr. is obliged to pay and shall pay Laurie Noreen Ryan child support of $1,500 per month. And this one is from the life insurance, which was also mentioned in divorce decree. As additional child support, it is ordered that Joseph Anthony Ryan Jr shall purchase a life insurance naming Laurie Noreen Ryan primary beneficiary as trustee for the benefit of the child. Joseph Anthony Ryan Jr.'s death will pay Laurie Noreen Ryan amount $350,000. So, if Ryan dies while Tylee is still a minor, money would go to Laurie and Tylee could have had that after she turns 18. But we know Tylee never turned 18 and never will. So when Ryan died, Tylee was 15 going on 16. And when Tylee went missing, she was few days shy of turning 17. Joe was paying Laurie $1,500 in child support. That is $18,000 a year plus medical and education. Tylee was keeping her mother's wallet warm. So this was part one of Laurie Vallow and her five husbands. We covered first three husbands and their relationship dynamics. On part two, we will look into husband number four, Charles Vallow, and husband number five, Mr. Doomsday. Kidding, Chad Daybell. We don't really like him very much around here. Thank you for sticking till the end. This is my very first podcast, so don't be nasty in the comments. Bye-bye.